0: <laughs> I will tell you the answer. Okay, so, uh, yeah, the first words spoken by a human after sin entered into the world was, we heard you walking in the garden, and we were afraid because we were naked, so we hid ourselves. Mm-hmm. We heard you walking in the garden, and we were afraid. And so that is those are the first words spoken by a human after sin entered into the world. And that is in response to the first words spoken by God after sin entered into the world. And those words are, where are you? He's walking around in the garden, looking for Adam and Eve, and he says, where are you? And then they were there and walking in the garden, and they were afraid, so they hid themselves. And that kind of stuck out to me recently, and about a month ago, it kind of hit me that, like, that was the first exchange that, like, yeah, God and humanity had after the fall. Um, it's really cool, too, because I feel like usually when, when someone's saying, like, where are you when you're looking for someone that also like, kind of means that you want to find them, right? So I feel like as God said, where are you? He was also saying, here I am, right? So where are you? Here I am. And then I feel like we see throughout human history uh, that kind of exchange where God is saying, where are you? Here I am. And then humanity, we're afraid. And so we hide ourselves, right? And we are just always turning our backs on God, right? Like ever since sin entered into the world. And so... Uh, We do also see how God kind of redeems that throughout the whole Bible as well. Like around a hundred times throughout the Bible. It's not 365 times. I don't know if you have heard that the Bible, it says fear not or be not afraid or something like that. 365 times in the Bible, one for each day of the week. It's not true. I Googled it when I was researching for this talk. And it's about a hundred, depending on the the translation that you use. Um, But all throughout the Bible, we hear things like fear not, be not afraid. Um, and that's really cool to me, too, because we especially see that uh, in the New Testament, in the Gospels specifically, um, which makes sense because everything that is in the Old Testament is fulfilled or perfected in the New Testament, um, and most fully in the Redeemer, who is Jesus Christ. And so uh, I just kind of want to uh, set a scene for you guys that I feel like very much redeems this scene that happened in Genesis 3. And so it's Matthew 14, so the scene is... Uh, the disciples are a few miles offshore in the water. It's the middle of the night. Uh, the waves are, like, crashing all around them because the wind's blowing pretty hard. So they're very on edge for those reasons. Um, and then they see Jesus walking to them on the water, and they're terrified because they think he's a ghost. And it says in Matthew 14, like 25, I think, that they cry out in fear. Um, and then in Matthew fourteen twenty six, Jesus says to them, it says, Jesus spoke to them at once, fear not, it is I, do not be afraid fear not, it is I. Do not be afraid. And so to kind of like emphasize these parallels for you guys, or kind of what I have noticed, uh, yeah, as I was praying with this was, so God is walking around the garden saying, where, where are you? Here I am. Jesus is walking on the water. Like, so he, and he wants the disciples to see him, right? The disciples who are on the boat. So he's kind of saying, here I am. Right. And then uh, Adam and Eve hide themselves because they were afraid. And so the disciples are terrified, right? And it says they cried out in fear, so they are also afraid. But then where the redemption piece comes in, which is really cool because, you know, Jesus is our Redeemer, our Savior, our Lord, um, you know, he says, Fear not, it is I, do not be afraid. And in that moment, the disciples know who it is that is speaking to them because Jesus says, it is I, right? And God, we know, is like the great I am. And so in like other translations, it would be like, fear not, I am, do not be afraid. And so I opened kind of with that connection that I made recently or that the Lord revealed to me because I have been afraid a lot of my life and a lot of things. Um, And I guess that kind of makes sense uh, because it was like arguably one of the first negative human emotions I ever experienced was fear. Um, And so I want to kind of share a few times in my life where I was afraid. And then even in the midst of my fear, God uh, just like very faithfully pursued me and continued to say to me, here I am, like where are you, where are you, here I am. Um, and so the first scene uh, the first uh, time was like the end of my sophomore year of college. I uh, had been trying the whole thing that like the world would say would satisfy me. So like I was trying the, the party culture, the hookup culture. Like I was doing well in school. I was an athlete. Um, and I still just like found myself a lot of the time being like, man, is this it? Like it, isn't there more? Um, and so I started to realize too around that time, the end of my sophomore year, that like, okay, well, if Christianity is true, um, which I like, grew up going to church on Sundays and stuff like that, so I knew about it. Um, if Christianity is true, then it offers like exactly what I'm looking for, right? It offers the peace and the joy and the fulfillment that I'm looking for. And so I'm starting to think about this, and there's moments that this moment that pushes me over the edge. Uh, it's uh, May of my sophomore year. I ran really poorly at my track conference meet, and so my coach calls me in for a summer send-off meeting, and he uh, says, Brennan, um, do you want to keep running? Like, if not, that's fine. We can shake hands, do our separate race and I'll respect that. Uh, but if you do want to keep running, you can't run like that because that sucked. Yeah, that's what he told me. <laughs> and I said, Coach, I'm leaning toward I want to keep running. And he kind of cut me off, and he was like, Brendan, you can't lean here. He's like, if you want to lean, go run into Division three school, but you can't lean here. And it was in that moment where I was like, wow. Like, I've been leaning in my faith my whole life. And so that's why this worldly, like, success and happiness or whatever is not leaving me satisfied and neither, though, is, like, Christianity and, like, Jesus Christ. So, it was in that moment that I really decided I wanted to start living my faith. And I think, though, the things that were, like, really holding me back and, like, what I was afraid of was, one, was just, like, what if I wasn't good enough? Like, what if I gave it my all in Christianity? What if I really tried to be a good disciple of Christ and I, like, still failed? Um, And so, it kind of, like, yeah, as I was, like, I feel like how Jesus redeemed that throughout that time was like, you know, because I definitely ended up failing. Once I decided I want to live as a disciple of Christ, I definitely failed a lot, like, kind of immediately after that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but in, in the midst of that, Jesus was like, Brendan, like, of course you will fail, right? Like, of course you will fail. You are not better than this. Um, but, and he says in John sixteen thirty three, like, take courage because I have overcome the world. So he says, "You are not better than this, and you are broken and weak. But let me like, you know that I am made perfect in your weakness." Uh, and so, yeah, like he definitely just gave me a new perspective of like, you know, he said to me, like, "Brian, let me give you my heart because I have overcome the world. So let, let me give you my heart so that we can overcome the world." Um, so that was really cool. And then, like, kind of the other piece of that was like, man, just like living living like a radical Christian life, like taking up my cross daily, would be really hard. And I don't know if I want to do that. Like, I feel like that would just be all the time, me not getting to have fun and not doing what I want to do. Like always making all these sacrifices and stuff like that. And um, once again, like Jesus, uh, actually a, kind of a Bible verse that I came across around that time too, was uh, John 10, 10, Like Jesus says, a thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy, but I came so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so it was in that moment that I kind of like, yeah, I was reassured that Jesus Desires to give me abundant life, and like certainly he wants me to be happy and he wants to satisfy the deepest desires of my heart. And so, okay, all of that happened. He like kind of redeemed those fears I had, and then a few months go by. I'm starting to live my faith, and then I start dating this girl who's Catholic and we are getting a little bit serious. So it's like August at this point, we're not actually getting that serious, but in my head I like, want us to be getting serious. So, <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? If we work out and we get married, I'm not gonna become Catholic. So I'm gonna like prove Catholicism wrong and you'll become Protestant. Um, and so in the midst of this too, I'm like, like I said, like, because a few months before that, I had had like my conversion back to the faith like, when I was really starting to live my faith. And so I'm like, Jesus, where can I most fully experience you on this earth? There's like kind of a prayer that's going on. Uh, and so I started dating this kind of girl. I start researching Catholicism. Uh, I'm spending like all of my free time first semester of my junior year doing this, uh, like reading the Bible, like watching videos, reading articles, asking my pastor what the heck's going on. Uh, and then also I start meeting with a focused missionary in Troy. And he just started meeting with me, and, like, we debated Catholicism, and he showed me where it was in the scripture and, like, the logic behind the teaching of the church and stuff like that and where it was in Christian history, Uh, but he also just taught me, like, what it looked like to live as a disciple of Christ. Like, he taught me how to pray. He taught me, like, strategies to break the old bad habits that I've been living for, like, the past few years. Um, He just taught me what it meant to, like, grow in intimacy and grow in holiness uh, toward Christ, and... But in the midst of all of that, I'm, I'm afraid to become Catholic for a number of reasons, but kind of three just quick ones. Was the first one is I'm afraid that people will think that I'm becoming Catholic just because of this girl that I was dating who we broke up at the end of September. Mm-hmm. And so I thought people would think, oh, my parents become become Catholic so we can get back the same year. I don't know, I it was. That's her name, Sam. There you go. Uh, and that just like wasn't the case. So I was like kind of, that was a lie that the devil was whispering to me and I was like afraid that people would think that was my reason. I was afraid. Uh, that I would be wrong. Like, if Catholicism was true, and it was the church that Jesus Christ himself, like, established, and that he wants all of us to be a part of, uh, then, like, I'm wrong. Because I had said, like, no, Catholicism is not right. Yeah, I even grew up joking, like, in Bible Belt, Georgia, like, man, are Catholics even Christian, you know? They are. They are. First Christians. And so, that was kind of, like, what was going on in my head. So, I had, like, a very negative disposition, and so I, like, would have been wrong if, if, I was wrong, um, so I was very afraid of that. And then the last piece was I just like didn't know for sure. I just I've always, like I really just always want to know before I do something. I want to know. I want to know. And I like that was very stressful for a lot of my life, like because I don't very often hear like you know actually God say, "Hey, we're gonna do this" or something. So I'm like, oh, what do I, I don't know how to do the will of God, whatever goes on. And so I just didn't know. Um, and the way that Jesus kind of redeemed all three of those was kind of all wrapped into the last point. Um, And it actually goes back to Matthew 14, I came across that around this time, and it was right after the scene where Jesus says, fear not as I, do not be afraid, and then once he says that, Peter says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out onto the water, and Jesus says, come, and when I came across that around this time, like November-ish of my junior year of college, I was like, Jesus, like this is what you've been asking me to do, like, You just asked me to come because I said, Jesus, if this is you, tell me to come, right? Like with, with Catholicism. And he, he just repeatedly told me to come like this, this, this question got answered like this. He revealed this to me about like this teaching or something like that. And yeah, he just kept telling me to come. And so eventually I was just like, okay, Jesus, like I know that if I walk out on the water, even if I'm afraid, even if I start to sink like Peter, you will be there to catch me. Um, And so that's kind of how Jesus redeemed that little part. Eventually, I became Catholic, and now here I am, a Catholic missionary at LSU. Go Tigers, right? Okay. Uh, so the last point I, or time in my life that I want to share is, like, a little bit more specific, but I feel like I want to share it because, uh, or the Lord wants me to share it because it, it, it has to do with, like, me being a track athlete, and I, it's just always been really cool to me how the Lord has, like, used, like, my sport to draw me closer to Him, and it's happened, like, multiple times, um, it's been really beautiful, but so this time is... Uh, April-ish of my junior year and I am doing alright and running. I'm better than I was the season before, whatever, like the natural progression, but there's still like a little bit left for me to go. Um, and I'm like, what's going on? Like, why can I not just like actually run as fast as I want to run? And I come across this meditation, uh, just in like a yeah, little devotional that I was reading, and it's like Jesus talking and he said, uh, as Jesus said, Ray and I always said, like "He said I'm with you, but especially in your suffering." That was like just the lines, like "I'm always with you, but especially in your suffering." And when I read that, like I was just like, "Holy smokes!" Like if Jesus is with me, especially in my suffering, then I have like a fantastic opportunity to suffer on this track for twelve and a half laps. Like let me, they know, everyone else, you guys suffer your You're on with. but like it was like a very tangible, it was a very tangible way for me to enter into the suffering that Jesus Christ himself experienced in his passion and death. And so it was really cool to just kind of realize that, like, my suffering means something because of the suffering of Jesus's. Um, And, like, in the same way that he made himself needy and invited Simon to help him carry his cross when he was, like, heading up to Calvary. uh, In that same way, like, he invites me into his suffering and he makes himself needy so that my suffering may be united to his. Um, And so that was really beautiful. And so from then on, like, I started... Yeah, actually, like go like running faster earlier because I wasn't afraid anymore. Because I used to be afraid of like, um, well, I have seven laps left, so I don't want to go early too early. Or I was like afraid of the pain. I was like, oh, this would hurt too bad. And like, what if I fail? Like, what if I can't keep going? Um, and then so when I came across that meditation, it like just totally flipped the way I looked at it. And I got a lot faster actually, kind of like right in that time frame, which was really cool. Um, and then one more thing to go along with like the running piece. Uh, so I also around that time came across Matthew six twenty five through 34, which is like, uh, do not worry for today has enough worries of its own, do not worry about tomorrow for today has enough worries of its own. And, uh, I kind of applied that to to running because I kept, was always like afraid of the next lap. Like what if I can't do the next lap? And I feel like Jesus kind of applied to running. He's like, Brandon, just like focus on this lap. Like trust that I will give you the grace you need for this lap. Like just give me one more. I don't know. Have you guys seen Hacksaw Ridge? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, so you know how he, like, oh, he's just, just he's give me know. one more, give me one more, when he goes back and get, gets, uh, like, the injured people. And so that's kind of how I started approaching races, like, Jesus, give me one more, give me the grace I need for this lap, for, like, this day, to, like, live my faith. Um, and so, yeah, that's just kind of, like, a brief overview of a few times where Jesus has, like, redeemed my fear and, like, constantly pursued me in the midst of my fear and, like, my brokenness um, and my failure And there are a lot more times, and like there are a lot of examples here. Now I can share with you about how I'm afraid, um, but I know always that Jesus is saying, Where are you? Here I am. And so, I guess, like, kind of a question I want to leave you guys with is what is like an area of your heart that you are afraid to give Jesus? What is an, an element of your life that you're afraid to give Jesus? Because, like, He wants to give us abundant life, right? And He comes up to us he faithfully pursues us, and he says, Fear not his eye. Do not be afraid. And so kind of, uh, to like have it off, John Paul II, uh, like one of his kind of taglines throughout his time as Pope was like, Be not afraid. And he says, Be not afraid. Open wide the doors for Christ. And so, yeah, what is Jesus asking you to do to open wide your hearts uh, so that he may redeem your life? That's all I got.